This is The M Word, a Studio 52 production, hosted by Ben Earl. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of The M Word. This is a particularly kind of interesting or special episode of The M Word as we are currently broadcasting live on Instagram and this particular episode is going to be informed by all the people on Instagram. Uh, we This is part of the 12 days of Christmas that we're running here at Studio 52 and so we thought it was a kind of an interesting thing for the people on Instagram to see and also a chance to kind of inform the podcast in a slightly different way. And so I thought that um, we could start talking about the concept of inspiration and we could start thinking about the things that maybe inspired us to get into magic, maybe why we got into magic in the first place and if we still feel that way or if it's changed over time. So uh, instead of having people prepare questions and and bring them in or, or send them in ahead of time. I thought it would be good to actually respond to this live and essentially use Instagram like call in radio so that we can sit here and talk. People can inform it. I can mention it and it's being recorded onto the podcast. So this is all happening live. Very interesting. Kind of, I don't know. I find that an interesting way to, to create content like this. It'd be fun. So as soon as I have some uh, stuff come up in uh, the chats in Instagram, we can start talking. Until then, I might even start with my own particular thing. Um, when, I, when I really look back on it, for me, it was just purely about curiosity. I mean, I... I I was very curious uh, from a book that I originally found. And magic represented curiosity... Um, and fun and interest and intrigue and all those things but it was never really connected to the idea of performing or I didn't really even think of it as magic I never thought about it as a career or I never thought about it as a community or or the history of it nothing it was just a a curious stimulus the the idea of being able to kind of problem solve in new ways Uh, although I didn't think of it like that as a 12 year old um, this is one of those interesting things when you think back on on how you thought about something as 12, you do so with your with your um, current state of mind. And so sometimes it's hard to unpack how you truly felt. But I, I know that I was very curious about what it was. And um, this particular book uh, I found quite inspirational. Um, and so it kind of sent me off on a journey towards magic really in all, all kinds of respects. Now that, now that changed a lot. And there were other kind of inspirational things peppered along the way. Um, I remember seeing a, uh, a a chap do uh, the what what gets referred to as the crazy man's handcuffs or Arthur Sederington's penetrating rubber bands um, when I was very young and I had no clue how it worked and so I went home and literally worked out how it was done um, <clears throat> and it's it, that was one of those things um, I also saw um, someone. Uh, vanish a coin um just very simply vanish a coin and i had no concept of of what had happened also uh, david bowie or bowie in the labyrinth doing the contact juggling I, I kind of interpreted that as magic that informed part of it somewhere as well the reason i started contact juggling was because of that so a lot of these kind of in interesting uh, initial experiences and over the last 10 months especially, I've had a lot of chance to kind of reflect on those things and think, why does magic still interest me? Why am I still in it? And that idea has changed a lot over over the years. I've, I've you know, looked looked and, and kind of um, seen how my kind of thinking um, or reasons for being in magic has evolved or changed. And so I thought that we could kind of um, look at some of those things today, look at kind of the initial reasons that people get inspired to come in and, you know, what that means. So let's have a look through... Um, 
Let's have a look. So Adam Wilbur so uh, says, inspired by inspired first by the method and how this could be, then quickly learned that it's more than tricks. And what inspired me was seeing amazing performers come out and own a room. Well, that's interesting. Although it does seem like a grown-up form of inspiration. You know what I mean? I mean, was that the, was that the first thing that inspired you? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not disagreeing with your point, but I mean, um, I always let's have a look. I, um, I'm a teacher, and I decide so this is Weave Seven. Um, I'm a teacher, and I decided to learn magic as a way of improving engagement with students who find school difficult. That's very interesting. Um, you know, it. I think that you know, ma magic often gets used. Um, to kind of stimulate children. I think often when you think about getting children into magic, I think magic is often too way too sophisticated for children to, to, to kind of grasp in a way. But it's definitely something that gets them interested and grabs their attention. So, I mean, when you look at the nature of what magic is, it's, it's literally about manipulating or attracting or directing attention. Um, and I think that... Um, that's a very, very interesting thing. Also, there's another thing when it comes to attention. There's not, you know, magic also allows you to pay attention. Magic allows you to pay attention to those around me, if you, you know, around you, if you're capable of looking up and, and observing. So one of the good things, I suppose, about using magic uh, in that context, Weave 7, would be that you're probably able to observe and pay attention to uh, students or, or those youngsters in new ways, which I can imagine is... Um, is interesting. <clears throat> I mean, well, you know, again, I, I don't um, have that 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 kind of experience with magic, but it's uh, it's interesting. Also, how has that changed, Weave Seven? Do you still feel like? How do you feel about that now? <clears throat> Phil Taylor says, "For my own ego to prove to others, I'm not as stupid as I was always told." You know what's interesting about that is I can't tell if there's a hint of irony or some kind of sarcasm in that or, or humor but it's probably also a little bit true and even if it's not for for the person that's saying that i think that probably is true for a lot of people um it's not too far off um so who was this roaming debris ricky jay's storytelling was simply superb and it all went downhill from there um so well i mean ricky jay is definitely an inspirational figure to me he's um as as people know that have seen some of the stuff that we've done at Studio Fifty Two, you know I've, I've talked about it before. You know, Ricky, uh, you know, was was certainly a titan of magic, a huge inspirational figure to me. Um, he he was a powerful, powerful person. I, I felt he was. Um, I definitely, if someone said they were inspired by Ricky Jay, you understand it. You know what I mean? Even even if Ricky Jay is not your thing, even if it's not to your taste or whatever that is, if someone said they were inspired to get into magic by, because of Ricky Jay, you, you get it. You go, okay, I understand. You saw a fully formed thing. You saw something that had force and energy that was able to stand on a stage, captivate it, and, and be present, own it, and deliver something, um, and, and do so with, with style and humor um, and and a, and a sense of passion and urgency. There was there was always a sense of joy as well. I felt with Ricky, even though there was, I think, a, a lot of people you might have felt that off stage he might have been slightly disagreeable. Maybe I think that um, I mean I, I never had the personal experience with Ricky, but I think there was always that sense of him being a bit 
a bit scary. I was certainly always a bit intimidated by the concept of meeting him in real life. But I think that one thing that's certain was that when you would see him, he would be someone that, that he wanted to be there. You know, he, he, he showed joy to be in that space. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Um, to So many performers, I think, then you know they're a bit cool and they're, they're you know everything's moody and grumpy and you think well you know do you want to be doing what you're doing or not you know um with ricky whether he was doing a gambling demonstration or he was being very serious or he was being light whatever it whatever it was you felt that he loved loved the art and the craft of of magic and so yeah that's um i can certainly understand uh, and, and partially empathise with that idea of, of him being an inspiring figure. He certainly inspired me uh, growing up, for sure. Um, so yeah, Ricky Jay, certainly. Um, let's have a look what else we have here. Um, um, so, uh, Mate of Diamonds, or M8 of Diamonds, Mate of Diamonds, I think inspiration can only come from those who have studied the skills. It's like having a pile of Legos in front of you, you need the Legos first. Mm. Mm. I don't know what to think about that. I'd have to unpack that. Uh, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing. I just uh, that's a it's a, a tricky one to unpack. Um, let's have a look. Phil Taylor comes back saying it's the truth. Uh, who was previously saying about you, you know you're doing it to uh, for the sake of ego and because others said you were stupid. Okay, well. Um, how do you feel about that now? If that, Phil Taylor, if that was the reason for you getting in, has that changed? You know, do you, I mean, your reason for doing magic, has it changed? Has it, has it grown beyond that? And that? That's, I think, an interesting thing to think about. Um, you know, when, when I look at the, like I said earlier on, the reason for me getting into magic was curiosity initially. And then, and then as I got more into it, it became a mechanism to, um, to escape, um, it was about escaping my reality. And not that it was particularly bad, but you know, when I grew up as a youngster, I was particularly uninspired and bored by a lot of the things that were going on around me. And so magic represented an element of fantasy, an element of a life other and um, or less ordinary. And so it was something that, um, I mean, I didn't think of it that way at the time, but now I look back, you know, it was a, a chance for me to escape and go somewhere else and mix with, you know, wizards and warlocks and people that were were different in different parts of the world. I was a youngster traveling up to London, going either to a convention or a magic shop. And, you know, we might think of that as a very kind of mundane thing, but actually to a, uh, a youngster who'd never seen any of that before, it represented this idea of escape. And there was also this sense that I could achieve something, even though I didn't know what that was. Um, and, and it became less about being successful, whatever that mean, meant, and more about just being good. Um, but but in that space, I didn't always enjoy it, you know. So even though I was escaping and trying to achieve something, there was always a lot of the time I, never, I didn't always enjoy magic in a weird way. There was always kind of a frustration at the heart of what I had, whether that was a partially teenage angst or something else. It was always a part of it. So I felt that there was this initial curiosity, and then that morphed into a sense of escapism and the ability to possibly achieve something. Um, and uh, then that morphed again. And so I can talk about that the, a bit later as well. But I think that that uh, changed again. Um, 
Lord Harry Magic says, I got inspired because I was a military medic and needed to quickly win trust and create talking points as I'd often be deployed with people I didn't, I don't know. Um, it helped me settle into civilian life after. Well, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, a, a military medic and you quickly win trust and create talking points. Interesting. Um, and help me settle into civilian life after. That's very interesting. Interesting. So in in a I mean, there's always that idea of magic being this icebreaker, this brilliant icebreaker, which to some extent that that is on on the first part of it. But but then there's this other side of it, which is a when you say settle into civilian life, um that reads to me like it has a slightly different function, almost like a therapeutic one. Um so that that's a very interesting kind of element to that um thank you lord harry magic very interesting one um russ 3901 um oh hello russ russ 3901 is also someone who contacted me recently and uh is going to send some beers and sent some beers previously when i was i think when we were doing i think yes when we were doing lives before uh which are fantastic and um i forget the name of the brewery otherwise i'd mention it now but um, thank you very much. Uh, so, Russ three nine one. We are inspired by seeing tricks, then encouraged to pick up a book. Personally, I think we should ditch this idea and encourage more visual learning. Well, that's interesting. Um, oh, you mean so instead of picking up a book? Okay, because to inspire by seeing a trick is a form of is the is the visual in. Okay, interesting. Well, I mean. I personally think that when it comes to whatever form of learning we have, I, I think that the route that you take, the path that you take, um, is is the path you take. I think that there are people that have read books and are fabulous. There are people that have read books and are terrible. I think the reading of books or the process of learning isn't in itself a guarantee of being better um, uh, or worse at magic. I think it, it, it comes down to... The type of things you engage with, the ded the dedication of the student, or or you know, and also here's the other thing. I think that one of the main things is finding a way for me personally to stay joyful in what you're doing and to and to not have boredom and to enjoy and love and have passion for the thing that you do. So that passion is just like a relentless force. That for me is the is is the main thing because you know if you love it, who cares? You know, it, like if you truly love it, that's what matters more than anything else is, is your ability to have your connection uh, with that, that art form, you know, uh, because there's no inherent meaning in magic. You know, it's as meaningful or meaningless as hammering a nail into a wall. There's it's not inherently meaningful, nor is anything. Um, what, what it is, is the, the story you tell yourself. It's the narrative you tell yourself. Um, it's the way in which you attach to it. And so I think that, you know, one of the biggest things is, is, to, is to take joy from, from the work you do. But um, yes, but I do also agree with what you're saying. I think that, that, you know, we see tricks and then we're encouraged to read. I mean, I know what you're, you're, uh, the kind of a point you're, you're making is the type of people that make you feel bad for not reading books. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, as if that is the way for only the serious learned student. Like, uh, I don't agree with that. I, I think that if you want to read books and you love it, great. If you don't, you don't have to. It doesn't matter. You know, you can, you, people learn in different ways. 
Um, but all of the different things, visual learning, videos, DVDs, downloads, any of those things, videos and DVDs, what am I talking about? So 2014. Um, uh, downloads or books or whatever, it, they're, they're not equivalent. That's the only thing. A, a book is different to a visual medium. So it engages the brain in different ways. A book forces you to create and think and have to interpret and make mistakes. And that's a great thing. Uh, and, and the visual media can't really do that in the same way. But what it does do is it stops those things happening sometimes, which in some respects can be good. But you also pick up bad habits sometimes. Sometimes if you see the way it's done, this switches off and you don't interpret any other way. Um, you look at that as, as the top. So I think they're both balance is always the way isn't it if you can do both great so sean mcfarlane says um hey sean um sean's a great guy we met on the deep magic seminars most nights almost every night in the hangouts it was great so sean mcfarlane it was a form uh, of escape for me the idea of a life of a magician seemed so much better than the regular paths everyone was taking so it was a form of fantasy to escape reality interesting yeah i i'm I think that was the same reason for myself. Not early on, like I said, for me, it was just immediate curiosity. But then it became exactly as you say. It was this idea of of escaping. It was uh, pursuing um, an interesting fantasy of what could be. Even though I had no idea what that was. It was just not the normal environment I was in. You know, I saw a lot of the people I grew up with or I was around and I, I just found a lot of it just very uninspiring. And I didn't judge any of those people for what they were doing. I just didn't connect with almost anything in my environment. And um, magic represented something that was not only interesting, but challenging and creative and um, unknowable and um, puzzling. And it seemed to have a never-ending kind of pit of discovery like it, it didn't just end you couldn't solve magic you couldn't you know you, you were getting good at this thing but it could go in many directions so um yeah so I mean I totally get that absolutely great great thing there from Sean um um let's have a look dumb oh going back to weave seven who was talking about the teaching and using it to kind of um, get the attention of the students. I teach 11 to 18, and learning more about misdirection has helped me manage low-level behavior issues a lot. Very interesting. That would be very interesting. What you... Um, <laughs> so that they just don't, don't see you hit them around the back of the head with the ruler. They're looking the other way. And just whack, wasn't me. <laughs> Hand is faster than the eye. Um, yeah, well, that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, Let's have a look here. Phil Taylor coming back, talking about the ego and not feeling, um, uh, you know, people making him feel stupid. Uh, so, yes, 100% it's now to express and bring joy or a moment for others. It's not about me anymore. It's about the experience for others. That's very interesting. I'll come back to that because um, I've, I've, I feel very similar, but I've also gone back to me, of which I'll, I'll talk about. Um, at the end, I think, because I can, uh, I can, I can connect with that, Phil. That's a great one. Um, let's have a look here. <laughs> so this is uh, Kaka one one two two. This was funny. Last night you were in, and I said your name. I was in a haze of um, Cal Carolina Reaper pepper fueled pain, and I remember saying your name out loud, and then, um, and then Darren just saying. Ian, 
I mean, yes, I couldn't see. I, honestly, last night I couldn't see or hear. Um, anyway, for those on the M word, because I know I'm also, you guys aren't going to have any visuals. Uh, I'll just explain. Uh, last night on the 12 Days of Christmas was a uh, Christmas hot sauce challenge where we put several or many different hot sauces on turkey and cheeses and tried to answer questions online whilst doing that. It was uh, fun, painful, and ineffect. It's an ineffective way to answer questions. Uh, right, so, but, Kaka11, 1,122 Ian. Bill Malone was hugely inspiring and still is to this day. Anytime I feel like I've had enough and I'm done with magic, Bill Malone videos bring it back and I fall in love again. Interesting. I, I, I can totally get that. Bill is a, a, a friend of mine and one of the... the, the he's an amazingly talented um, magician. A super knowledgeable, great businessman, uh, great thinker, great technician, just a performer, just all of it. He's amazing. And, you know, most people that have seen anything of Bill have only seen 1% of what he has. And anything that they've put on video, he's more than that, even more than what's on video. He's amazing. I totally get that. But even on video, you, you see the joy in him. I was saying earlier on about Ricky having joy. I feel you definitely see that in Bill. Um, Bill, Bill, you know, is right there. And he is absolutely focused on giving an audience a great time. I've, I mean, I've never met anyone more focused on that. I mean, he is doing everything in his power to, to make the whole experience of him, the experience of Bill being there, something powerful and something amazing. And not just based on ego, not just based on isn't he amazing, but almost he creates this environment where you feel like friends. And he creates not just friends, a family. That's it's a really crazy thing that he does, and he does that in his professional shows and everything. Just uh, he's I, I, again, you know, if someone says, you know, what inspires me is Ricky, you get it. If you say Bill Malone, exactly the same thing. So yeah, that's great. Um, but also, what's also interested in that Keka one one two two Ian um, is where you said, you know, sometimes when I feel like I've had enough and I'm done with magic, right? That thing, that feeling there, that's an interesting one because I've had that so many times that uh, I, I, I've lost count but I haven't had that feeling in the last five years so but all through say the first 15 20 years or whatever it was of me doing magic I had that feeling repeatedly and um, it is something that I have worked at trying to understand what that feeling is um, maybe this is a, maybe we'll talk about it on here I don't know but um, I think part of it, maybe we will, just a little bit. I think, I think part of it comes, um, comes down to a, an acceptance of what it is. I think for me, I always used to think, oh, magic, it's, it's all, I love it and all this stuff. But, you know, other people just think it's, you know, silly tricks or they don't understand. Or, you know, I, I felt that so much of my own enjoyment of magic was informed through the, 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 imaginary view of others how I felt other people looked at my own craft and I think one of the ways that I realized is I just literally just dismissed it I don't care you know I just I just don't care what anyone else thinks of anything to do with magic really it's they may or may not they may love it they may think it's an art they may think it's just a craft they or not just a craft just a silly thing they may they may think it's wonderful they may think it's silly it's not something I can control and I don't care because 
you know, if everyone thinks it's wonderful, great, but it still doesn't change my relationship to it. So to me, it's more, I've, I've spent a lot more time working on my relationship to magic outside of any form of influence of anyone else's thoughts, uh, which I felt over time was part of the reason that it started to affect how I felt about my own kind of relationship with magic. It might not be the same for you. Um, I'm just assuming, I'm saying just a part of my reason, but um, there's, a, there's a lot more to say on that. Um, <clears throat> uh, so look, um, Mate of Diamonds again. I must have misinterpreted the subject. Lots of great performers to be inspired from. Uh, I think the challenge in general inspires, but more importantly, providing amazement and wonder for laymen. Okay, that's interesting. <clears throat> that's interesting. The, 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 the idea of... So, I mean, but why magic? You know, why not provide wonder and amazement for laymen through another means, you know? Uh, or, may, or maybe it could have been something else. Um, maybe maybe it does matter. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, but I, I like that. Um, here we go. Peter Cullen. Peter. Um, now, Peter Cullen was also someone who came to the Deep Magic Seminars. So, uh, great guy. Uh, and... Uh, Always asking good questions, aren't you, Peter? Hmm? Um, sorry, no, no one on the M word realised what I was doing then. I was providing a kind of weird wink, which this moment has now got no meaning to 99% of people watching or listening, apart from me and Peter. It's fine. Anyway, um, I learnt one trick and people were interested. I guess the attention was nice and it inspired me to want to learn more. Now I just love magic for me, for me, even if no one ever sees it. Interesting, yes. So, I mean, there's definitely always at some level that thing where you show someone something and it has a reaction that you think, oh, that's nice. And you, uh, you, we, when we first do it, we don't fully understand everything about it. Um, but yet it's still something there. And then, then you want to learn more and now you just love magic even if no one sees it. Well, well that's the other part of magic as well which is the, the fact that in and of itself, it's an interesting pursuit, which, which the outside world, people that aren't into magic, would never understand. You know, if, if you said that you love juggling because it feels nice, you know, the act of juggling, you don't care if anyone ever sees you juggle, but you like juggling, people would understand that because they could understand the physical element of it. With magic, most of the time, it looks like we're doing nothing. So the, most people don't understand that the, the physical kind of practice of magic, the movements the kind of meditations of sleight of hand are in, in and of themselves very physically pleasing. There is a, a kinesthetic relationship that you have with these objects, a language that you share with other practitioners around the world, which no one else fully understands apart from people in the community. That's one part of it. Then there's a problem-solving aspect, a design dimension, where we get to you know manage timing and perception uh, and attention in ways to achieve this other goal. There's this very interesting kind of deceptive puzzle at play that that you you can design. And of course, it is informed by the attention of an observer. At all times, it's part of the equation. But we can also kind of, on some level, assume that part. You know, like in mathematics sometimes, where you're dealing with calculus and you have to kind of put strange symbols or stuff in to kind of, you know, you're not actually dealing with the, the laws of nature 
and to some extent, you're just d dealing with the maths of it. I mean, I know that the mathematics is the laws of nature. It's not a perfect metaphor. But I think that in the same way, you can do the same with magic. You don't need every element of it to, to play with it. You Sometimes you can assume a certain level of interaction from an observer and kind of create a kind of a mean of that person and what they're likely to do while you kind of go through the rest of the design of this piece. You know, so relatively, if you try and explain that to a, a non-magic person, that's a really abstract interaction, that you're having to do these things that look one way, but really they're appearing another way, and you're trying to make them appear another way to a person who isn't present. Uh, in order so that when you get this right and you practice this thing, it will look this way to a person who is present. And then even then you might have to tweak. I don't know. I think there's a kind of a very strange, abstract metagame that goes on in the heart of that, which magicians find interesting even if they don't know they do anyway um let's have a look dun, dun, dun. i've accidentally pushed comment on this screen so oh no no here we go john kinney here we go hi john uh, i saw a news piece on jazz that said if you take care of jazz i'll take care of you if you replace jazz with magic I feel it's true. If you take care of magic, it'll take care of you. Uh, interesting. I think... Um, see, I think what that statement kind of is about is about... Um, is about a level of commitment and a level of authenticity, a level of love and passion towards something. Because how it takes care of you can be interpreted many ways. It could reward you financially. It could reward you with success and material things. It could reward you with, um, I don't know, a sense of meaning or purpose or love or passion. It could reward you with friendships. But if you give yourself over to something, whatever that is, it will at some stage open something up. And um, I think that's a, a really, really interesting... That's a great thing, John. I like that. Um, Lee Diamond Magic, watching David Blaine, Dynamo, and seeing reactions they give to people inspired me to join a local magic circle and start performing to bring magical memories to people being part of a magic community. Interesting. Um, I mean, well, I think a lot of the time we assume that that, I, I think on some level that's always, that, I, I think that's part of that at the least is present in all of us because even if it's not the exact way that you get into magic, it, it normally happens early on. So you might only be in magic for a few months and it might have been a hobby that drifted by like many other hobbies, but you eventually see something on television or you see a performer and it hooks on in a way. Uh, Blaine was one of the very first people I saw on the Street Magic special in 1999. Uh, and I was in when it was first broadcast and watched it. Very powerful, very, 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 very powerful stuff because it was anti-everything. And, um, and you know, and he's still around, you know, 20 plus years later and uh, going strong. So, yeah, he's a, he's a powerful person. And again, one of those people, if someone said they're inspired by Blaine, you, you immediately understand it. Immediately. Um, these, are, these are powerful wizards, you know. I mean, that, that's real magic, isn't it? If you think about it, you know, we, you can talk about finding cards or levitating or 
you know, making coins disappear. But on the out on the surface of that's a relatively trivial thing. What's what's real magic is to inspire bodies to get up, move, and change the course of their life. That is a very magical thing, and that is true. That is a true form of magical power. You know, that's a very you know, people that have the ability to inspire like that and cause people to 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 do things and make decisions in their lives like that is is very useful even without you know with no in, real intention but just by mere mere power and presence of personality um so yes that's a great 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 thing um nick hodgson darren always says magic is the quickest most fraudulent way to impress people hmm. um possibly yeah i mean i understand that on some level i think that um you know you can't just pick up a guitar and play it, you know. You, you you can't really just pick up a camera and take great pictures. Magic does at least, um, you know, allow you to impress someone very quickly. You can go into a shop and you can buy a trick. That is true. But even though it's a quick way to impress someone, um, you're really only impressing them on a superficial level. I think it. I think everything that it is in that moment is felt. The cheapness of it. The, the fact that it's bought from a shop. I think, I think even a layman or the person experiencing that can feel that. I think you feel it in, in the individual, in the person showing it to you, in the way it's expressed. I think you can feel it. So I think that, yeah, I think it's right to some extent. Um, but I think that there, you're not, it's not as if you are able to do something at the highest level. You, you're just able of a, you're able to achieve something at a low level, but yet it is still quite impressive for for um, for someone to see. But but maybe it's necessary for that because maybe maybe that's how maybe that's how we all get in because otherwise magic is such an abstract idea. The fact that we can do these things in the real world, apparently manipulate the laws of time and space, affect your attention and perception, walk between the blind spots of what you know to be real, and somehow we can we can just do that live. And if it was really difficult, you would never be able to get to the point where you could fully realize, have the theory of mind to understand what you're doing and how it's affecting someone. You know, you understand? So it's almost like it, you need a you need a bridge and I think the, the the bridge is that a very low level you can you can perform a quick trick which has quite a kind of a startling uh, or arresting visual element or something to it um, that somehow hooks you in. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Um, so after uh, Andrew Main nine six seven after twenty years of messing with cards I stumbled across the Joker lecture. I feel I have now on a path to follow and understand how to get there. Oh, that's you mean do you you mean the the lecture that I did for Studio Fifty Two? Oh, that's kind of you. Um, we won't we won't dwell on that. I mean, thank you, Andrew Main, for saying saying so. But um, we'll move past that. I was going to do that that lecture in makeup at one stage, and then people rather wisely told me not to. Right. Um, complete agreement. Roaming debris says complete agreement with Ricky J being a titan. He recognised that your words and physical presence are just as important as the slights. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they they always are. Um, they are the the material. When people don't don't um, 
You know, we often as, as performers separate the slights and we think, oh, here are the slights and the technique and then here's the presentation. Like there are these two things, but the reality is they are the same thing because you, they are, they are supposed to be um, in, in a kind of a symbiotic relationship where they kind of work together. You know, you can only understand what you're watching unless it has some context. You're only able to fully perceive and, and understand what it is you're watching unless it has some context. And often it requires words, it requires presence. And also you're communicating to an audience without even, if you try not to, you are. By not communicating, you are communicating something. So the thing is to try and do that more effectively and bring them together. So um, yes, I'm in agreement. Um, so Phil Taylor, again, lockdown has allowed me to fall back in love with practice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've definitely had time for it. And um, I think I think for me, lockdown has... Uh, I know I said earlier on about this idea of, uh, you know, when I first got into magic, it was curiosity. And then then it became much more about escaping and, and trying to achieve something or whatever that was. For me, over the last few years, um, and, and it's been something that's occurred to me much more in lockdown, which is that over time, magic has just become a, a tool for exploring my, myself. So it's much more about building something now, not escaping anything. It's about building something and understanding and accepting myself for for what and who I am and what I do. And... On that level, magic has um, given me a different lens through which to, to understand that. Um, you know, what what is it that keeps me fascinated? Why do I love it? What do I want to do with it? Can I take risks? Can, how many people can I communicate to? What can I build? You know, it's, it's less about escaping and less about um, doing something like that and much more about... Um, trying to build something far more interesting sorry i'm right now having to deal with a strange set of things that is now occurring in my ears i've accidentally i'll just quickly mute that <laughs> there we go sorry i got distracted then there's a whole load of um music started playing in my ears right anyway so yes yeah, so i think that um it's magic has become a tool for me to kind of start understanding even the choices i make why am i interested in in particular forms of simplicity over complexity what is that how 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 are certain aesthetics why are they important to me why do i like them and what does it mean to me if i i i go off route like i don't know it becomes more of an artistic way of being and magic just happens to be a means through which i'm expressing part of that um more than it be about even the others i mean i i, I love other people seeing magic. I love doing it for other people, of course, and them having this experience. And that's great. And that's what it's all designed for. But ultimately, it's about me. Ultimately, it really is. Because, you know, I, I love to say, oh, it's about others and creating wonder in people and all these things. And it is. But I want to do it. You know? It's it's if it really was, and you could say, oh, okay, it's about creating wonder in people, and so you could you could give that ability immediately to a friend and go, there you go, go and give it to them. Is it really for them? 
because you would you would want to do it. So you could argue it's partially the ego, but it's also like I like the process of magic. I like the the idea of design and thinking and creation and and paying I talked about attention earlier on. The fact that you can draw attention onto yourself, right? But you can also pay attention. And the idea that you can pay attention to the world around you and then redesign what you're doing again is this feedback loop of play that that I really love. Uh, it's one of the things about magic that I love so much is there's this strange game that's going on. I don't care that it's just two cards when it should be one. I don't care that really it's in the other hand. Whatever it is, it's irrelevant because the game is much larger than the sum of its parts. And so you can start um, you know, experiencing magic and connecting with it and the world around you in new ways. Um, I hope that makes sense. So um, let's have a look. Who else is in here? How has your relationship made since you changed? I think of uh, since you started. I've kind of partially just said that there. I think of Vernon's advice to keep it as a hobby, not a profession. Um, no, I don't agree um, at all. I mean, it might have been that way for Vernon. Um, Vernon, you know, was an amateur in that respect. You know, he he wasn't a professional. He did some magic gigs. Um, it's a difficult one. I think the way in which magic is normally expressed as a result of earning a living from magic can change it for you, definitely. But the idea of just either has, you know, as a sweeping statement of as a profession or a hobby, I can't agree with because you can create whatever you want. For example, I would have it no other way. You know, I, I you know, my living is all earned in magic and, and I would not change that in a heartbeat. I love magic more than I ever have done. And I'm here on Instagram talking to people live. I'm on the M word or will be once this is loaded onto M word. This is being recorded now for the M word. Um, we're building things. We're running courses. We're producing books. We're connecting to people. And that, I'm running lives through the lockdown, which was great fun. Um, and we've got loads more plans to do more things. And I get to meet great people and I get to interact with this this crazy art form. So for me, there's no way I would, I would change that. No way. Um, so... That, that that's certainly not true for me, but I also understand where that comes from. I think if you are talking about the normal jobbing magician who goes out there and has to do weddings and bar openings or whatever the, the private parties, there is definitely a part of that where that can get on top of you. But there's also something beautiful about that. You know, if, if you if you truly love that part of it, then it's great. But that can also get on part of you. So I, you know, it's a tricky one. But um, I think it comes down to the individual. Some people should definitely be on one side and the other, and other people can mix up. It depends. It's a, it's a hard one. Um, let's have a look. Let's get uh, Magic Mark 52, or Mark Calbris. Uh, how do you feel about magicians who don't subscribe to the way you perform or think? but happen to get good reactions and seem to be entertaining. Interesting. I mean, well, first of all, um, you, you, you know, you can't control everyone, Mark. Um, <laughs> um, stop trying to control everyone. Um, no, I know what you mean. Um, it's a tricky one. I think that there isn't a right way some people can do it one way and because of the nature of their personality and who they are it works and someone else does it and it doesn't work so you've got a number of things at play you've got a particular way whatever that may be 
but you also have a particular personality. And the combination of those two things can affect, and you also have the audience, and the audience is changing. So a different group of people with a different presentational style and a different performer, the moment comes out of the relationship between those things. And it's a very difficult, which I'm, you know, I'm not teaching anyone to suck eggs here. We all know that that's what it is. But sometimes we forget and we think that sometimes a magic routine or a thing, you know, you do it this way and it should have this effect on an audience. Um, an audience is not a thing that is a control. It, it's constantly in flux and changing, even itself over time. So you could put an audience in a room and at the beginning of the evening, they are a different audience to the one that um, they end with. There's that old, um, oh, it's the T.S. Eliot um, poem from the Four Quartets. And it's the guy that gets on the bus, uh, sorry, on the, uh, he's um, sitting on a train uh, reading a newspaper and he talks about the fact that it's not the, he's not the same person sitting reading the newspaper as boarded the train. Um, in the same way that the people sitting here right now listening to me on this podcast, podcast and on Instagram Live are not the same people as the ones who sat down to listen to it or watch it. I mean, we are to some extent, but there's a part of us that's always in flux. There's a part of us that isn't one way. And so I think you not only do you have the performer that's like that, but you also have the individual. But anyway, I might have gone off on a tangent then because I need some sugar. Um, but uh, Magic Mark, I'm not talking about good magicians. I'm referring to those guys who do bare minimum and do tricks out of the box. Ah, but, you know, I know what you mean. But I think, though, you know, those people are also necessary. You know, if they didn't exist, how would you know what the good are? You know, that, that, and that exists in every single field. You know, music acting movie everything that's that's just part of the landscape of what it is and um it doesn't matter it 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 shouldn't affect anything you know that you do uh or, or how you think about what you do it should um and and it will never it's just part of the landscape for everything you know um and also let's be fair you might have been one of those people and me and every one of us at one stage, maybe the person you're seeing is just in a mode or in a phase. You know, maybe that's just part of their journey and they're on that part of their journey. So there's lots of reasons, but um, I know what you mean. I'm just, uh, I'm being a bit diplomatic, but at the same time, it's also, I also agree. Um, so uh, I'm gonna take one last thing and then we're gonna start wrapping this up. Um, so one Benny Slade magic, uh, Yesterday, I asked about shutting out the noise to focus on one's own magic. How do you do that? What's an example so I can implement this into my own magic? Um, well, um, for me, it's honestly, when I say shutting out the noise, I literally mean don't look at anything. This that, is that. Turn this off. Turn, turn off Instagram. Turn off Facebook. Turn off YouTube. Everything for magic don't look at anything don't look at any emails that come in from magic don't look at any releases don't go to your magic shop don't do any of it and just sit with your own thoughts and your own stuff and think for yourself that's what i mean 
is that if you are constantly filling your head with the thoughts of others, how can you know your own? It's very tricky. So sometimes you just need a bit of peace and quiet. I don't mean forever, but just a moment of peace and quiet where you have the chance to think. And it's very difficult to think when a thousand people around you are shouting in your ears. And, you know, it's a good thing to sometimes take a break. Um, So that's what I mean when I talk about avoid the noise is that it's the noise of everything. It's the noise of me talking here. It's the noise of an advert here. It's all of it. Find a way to step out. And, and you know, the only person that can do that is is you. And in that space, you might discover something interesting. You might discover how you think about something. And I think, really, that's a good way to kind of wrap this podcast up because that's all this Instagram Live because that is part of what we've been talking about today of, like, you know, our connection to magic, what we think and what we feel. And over this last kind of 10 months of this pandemic, we've had a lot of time to do so and reflect. So I hope that this has been fun and interesting for all those here on the M Word and Instagram Live. Um, I'm going to wrap this up now. And thank everyone for coming and we'll see you in the next episode. This was a Studio 52 production. For more information, visit studio52magic.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Studio 52 Magic.